This episode is brought to you by Hulu, presenting Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers. From the backboard to the front office, Legacy captures the remarkable rise and unprecedented success of one of the most iconic franchises in professional sports. Featuring new revealing interviews from players, coaches, and execs, this 10-part documentary series chronicles this extraordinary story from the inside. Watch Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers now, only on Hulu. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Rick and ball shorts. Coaching from the side of the ball court. If you know, you know. One stop like a Walmart. We got the tennis balls for the wrong sport. If you know, you know. If you know about the carport, the trap door supposed to be awkward. If you know, you know. That's the reason we ball for. Circle round twice for the encore. If you know, you know. What I do? What's good, man? Huh? What's good? Yeah, on this Tuesday, you know. It's lunchtime, so let's talk some sports. You know what I'm saying? Salute to all the essential workers, of course. You know what I'm saying? I ain't do a live yesterday. Um, just didn't do one. But I'm here today. Here today. We're here to talk today. Now we got to talk about Cam Newton. Jameis Winston file is closed. We put it away. Now we start to write the Cam Newton file. And get to the bottom of what's going on and, and and discuss this. You know what I'm saying? What's up, Glenn? What's good with you? Dwayne was good. Um, so gotta discuss Cam Newton, because he he a topic now because he came out and said that he didn't want to be a backup. So a lot of people wanna discuss that and we're gonna discuss it. We're gonna have some fun. I mean, you know, um had a a different type of conversation yesterday about Cam that really made me take a step back. Um, person suggested that Cam hairstyle plays a role into why he isn't hired right now. Like he got to cut his hair, and um, that that really that really had me like, what the f-? you know? But hey, let people speak their truth and get their opinions, you know. Um, I just hate when somebody swear that's a fact, you know, like your personal opinion, your personal view on things doesn't make it a fact. It's just an opinion, your stance on that. So anybody that knows me understands that when somebody use the word fact thrown at me, I'm going to challenge it and let your ass know that it's just an opinion. I don't do well when somebody like stamps like fact at the end of their statement because it's like. That's not a damn fact. You know what I'm saying? It's it's an opinion. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got to learn what a fact is, what an opinion is. We just have to. A lot of times, I just, most of the time, I just start ignoring folks who talk like that. Like, I, I won't even engage them because it's a waste of time. You see that they got that, that, what I call that Michael Jordan way of thinking. If you've been watching The Last Dance with Michael Jordan, one thing you realize about Michael Jordan, and I know a lot of Jordan fans are not going to like this, but this is what made Michael so great. Michael never really saw himself as being wrong. So that's why, like, the, la- the, the same thing that make you laugh can make you cry. You know what I'm saying? Um, but let's go ahead and um, let's go ahead and talk about Cam Newton. So Cam Newton came out. It was released that he said that he 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 wouldn't accept being a backup. Like, I'm not a backup. All right, so here's the thing. Cam, honestly, no, you're you're not a backup talent. You're not. All right. We say the same thing about Jameis. He's not a backup talent. Um, at this stage, we all understand that you give people the opportunity to vent, right? You let them vent. And it was, it's no different than a fan. When a fan is talking about their team losing, you allow them time to vent and get out all the frustrations. You know what I'm saying? Um, but 
The thing that Cam has to realize is this. This is how they want him to react. This is the this is the one stance they were hoping that he took, saying that I'm not going to sign because I'm not a backup. They wanted that. And here's the reason why, all right? Cam Newton is a very outspoken person. Um, he's not the cut and dry, like he's not the cookie cutter type of quarterback when it comes to appearance and when it comes to the style of play and his, his attitude. He's not the status quo. And when you're not the status quo and you've been successful, they wait for you to finally fail. You know what I'm saying? So when Cam Newton came out of Auburn and he went to Carolina, people said he couldn't throw, he couldn't do this, he couldn't do that. And first game, he threw 400 yards. You know what I'm saying? First two games, back-to-back 400 yards. Um, And he had some success throwing the football because everybody knew he could run around, right? And then he jumped out and he had that MVP season. They go to the Super Bowl, right? Everything's working for Cam. Everything. Even though he can sulk a little bit with the towel on, at the end of the day, the wins and success outweigh the negativity that they wanted to bring his way. You know what I'm saying? So when you're so successful, it's hard to bring negativity towards your energy because it's that powerful. So his energy was too powerful for the negative police to really assassinate his character. So what happens? On the Super Bowl stage, a fumble takes place. He doesn't jump on a fumble, but because he feels like, yo, I'm going to mess something up. I'm going to have like a Drew Brees type of injury. Regardless, that was the first attack, really. Like, hey, man, you didn't sign up for your team. You didn't get the fumble, right? And then, Glenn just said it, the Super Bowl interview. Now, nobody cares if you don't shake hands after the game because we've seen the greats not shake hands on the Super Bowl scene right after the game. We've seen them walk off, right? Cam was Cam was a guy that can't do what they do, all right? So Cam is doing this interview. This is the first time in the Super Bowl to where it's a post-game interview and you got opposing guys in a proximity that you can actually hear what they're saying, right? So you just lose the Super Bowl. He's, he's a sore loser. A lot of people are sore loser. And um, he heard Chris Harris talking real spicy. Chris Harris just won the Super Bowl. He's going to talk spicy. He was talking real spicy, which he should. I was the former DB. I'm going to talk spicy. I just won. It just is what it is. And I also sympathize with Cam because I'm one of the, the sores. Like, I'm a, I'm a very sore loser. Like, anybody that's good friends with me know that on the surface, you may think, oh, he took that loss in stride. But they know once I get to the locker room, I'm tearing stuff up. Like, I'm breaking everything. Like, I hate losing. Like, I don't even want to lose in Monopoly. Um, So, Cam is sitting there trying to be a professional. He's answering questions, answering questions. They ask him about the fumble. And then he hears Chris Harris talking spicy. And he just walks out and he leaves. He he pulled a LeBron with the the khaki suit on. You know what I'm saying? Um, You know, I'm going to get to your question, Rob. Um, So... He leaves, and right after he left, granted he got the big contract and stuff, right after he left, it seemed like once he, that Super Bowl appearance and the actions that followed the loss that day, that night, was when everything started rolling downhill because the energy started, the positive energy started getting smaller, and then the negative energy started growing. So then you had the episode to where he, now granted, he's already fought Josh Norman, He's already did some, like, crazy stuff. Like, as much as they want to talk about Cam and his attitude and his behaviors, they really talk about how he gives away every football to a young fan or whatever. So, um, fast forward to when he's doing the press conference and the female reporter is breaking down um, something that Funches did, and he is actually taken back, like, yo, damn, a female reporter breaking the game down like this. And people took it like he was shortchanging her or knocking her. You know what I'm saying? Um, And he wasn't. Because a lot of times, a lot of people got to realize this. Whether you're male or female, if if you're a player and you ask a question and it's asked through the lens of a player's mindset, like it's a visual question, like she was asking him, 
if if she was a male, he would have said the same thing. Like, damn. Okay. But to me, when he said, you know, like a female said it, I was trying, I was taking it like he was elevating them. Like, yo, females are up on their game now. Like, you see that? Like, you see the questions he asked? But, of course, three groups you don't mess with. You don't mess with the animal rights group, Peter. You don't mess with the LBGTQ. And you don't mess with women's rights. You, you, you don't do that. You know what I'm saying? So, James said, Hawk, I have a question. You're a wide receiver. How would you feel if you had accuracy issues? Hey, James, I'm not, I'm not, hey, man, can you chill with the, chill with the troll comments for a little while, bro? Let me be candid and let me really give a breakdown on things, bro. Like, everything ain't, ain't, ain't a troll, man. Sometimes you got to sit back and get these jewels I be trying to provide for you because the stuff you be talking about and you, you, like, people know you trolling because you ain't even manipulated enough. But anyway, um, back to Cam. And so, he lost his yogurt deal that Dak Prescott has the yogurt deal now. You know what I'm saying? So that take place. And then he started dressing differently. You know what I'm saying? He started dressing differently. And then you got folks, my man Chuck just said, Cam lost himself when he didn't back cat. Then he said he doesn't deal with social injustices. So here's, 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 here's my thing with our people, because I'm a black man, right? Here's my thing. We got to stop expecting every forefront African-American athlete to speak up for us. We, we really do. Like some, some of some black athletes are shut up and play players. They don't want to go down a political minefield because it's a minefield. You know what I'm saying? Like people got to understand you're asking folks to take a risk that your ass won't even take. That's what sometimes I get irritated because we found this out about Jordan when he made the joke about um, Republicans buy shoes too and why Jordan don't speak out for politics. Like, everybody ain't politically inclined. Like, everybody not smart, yo. Like, everybody don't know how to talk politics. And when you try to talk about something you don't know, you look like, you look like a lot of people on social media when they talk sports. You look dumb as hell. So, I don't want... Nobody who don't know what they're talking about to speak up for somebody like a cap or some social injustice. Hell no, that's bad representation. That's bad. So why the hell we want a lot of these athletes to speak out for stuff they don't know about? Because a lot of them are shut up and play people. Michael Jordan was a shut up and play player. I put that in my podcast. Check it out. Just drop this on Spotify, on Anchor, on iTunes. I said right in my podcast, Michael Jordan was a pure example of shut up and play. Shut up and dribble. He was. It just is what it is. He said it. All I wanted to do was play basketball. So if the shorty would have told Michael Jordan, hey, shut up and play and shut up and dribble, he would have been like, all right, let me get my basketball. I'm about to go make these millions. $40 million slave was geared around Michael Jordan for a reason. Because Mike just wanted to play sports. And there's nothing, look, ain't nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. So when cap ticket stands and you have some players that were shying away from it, you got to respect why they shied away with it. We can't, like, that's just what it is. And I know it's not what people want to hear. I know it's not what people want to hear. Trust me. I know. I have people coming at me calling me the C word. And it is what it is. You can say what you want on social media. But as a man, you'll never say that to me in my face. Or you're going to end up suing me because it's going to be some smoke. You know what I'm saying? So people say what they say, and you got to let them say what they want to say. But as long as they ain't in the presence of you saying that, or they going to say it, just as long as they don't understand the repercussions of saying something like that, when you know you don't stand for that tomfoolery that they talking about, it is, it is what it is. But getting back to Cap, got sidetracked. Fast forward, Cap's, you know, um, Cam, getting back to Cam. So Cam, the main thing with Cam has always been, he always had a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Cam's biggest issue was he never took responsibility to perfect his craft. He always relied on his physical God-given gifts. You know what I'm saying? Cam has God-given gifts. 6'5", 245, 4'5", strong as an ox, rocket arm, but he never 
worked on his craft to master different throws, various throws. And this is what I always say to young athletes that's playing quarterback, master your damn craft. Trust me. Because in high school and in college, your coaches are going to rely on your God-given abilities, and they're going to run you into the dirt. They're going to make sure you benefit them. But you got to start benefiting yourself. And that's understanding that my legs aren't going to be dominant forever, but my arm can. This is the last thing that go unless you have a major injury. And Cam had a major injury to his shoulder. You know what I'm saying? But, and I see Henry. Henry, come on, bro. Like, so me and Henry talk a lot behind closed doors. And we troll each other. We talk back and forth. So I'm saying a lot of things that he say to me about Cam. And I always be like, man, I don't care nothing about that. But it's the truth. Like, Cam is a guy that he fell victim for his success. And now he in the hole. Because not only did your, your team release you, but now this, is in, this got injured. And yes, you tough through a lot. You played through a lot of injuries. Don't know this, and this is what I want to tell folks also. This is what I want to tell folks also. For all y'all that be telling dudes to play hurt, fight through the injuries, be a team player, you see anybody screaming that Cam Newton played with injured shoulders? You see anybody campaigning that, oh, man, give, you know, Cam, he, no, hell no, they ain't talking about that. You know what I'm saying? Cam muscled everything. He's a muscle thrower. Like, everything is 100 miles an hour. Everything, everything is 100 miles an hour. So now with his shoulder jacked up, you can't jump out there and say you're, a back, you're not a backup. You know what I'm saying? Like, Cam, it's all about timing and leverage. You know, remember your boy Melvin said guns and butter? It's about timing and leverage in this sport. Jock, what's good with you, baby? He got he he got no leverage, and it was absolutely terrible timing to tell somebody you're not a backup. As much as I was campaigning and, and explaining how we got to get off that narrative that Jameis turned the ball over, blah, 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 this, blah, 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 that. The narrative and the timing in which it set in and the timing in which he doubled his interceptions because of his coach who has shown a track record of increasing turnovers for their starting quarterback. You know what I'm saying? I understood that Jameis had to take a backseat. And here's the difference between Jameis and Cam. Jameis has never been a dude that acts like he's entitled. All right? Much as I love Cam Newton, and people that know me know I rock with Cam Newton a lot, he has a, that sense of entitlement. That rubs folks the wrong way. Jameis never had that. Now, Jameis had the crab legs and the, you know, the, the inappropriate statement. But Jameis always gave off that, that persona that he was humble. And that's why the move to the Saints didn't truly surprise me. Now, surprise a lot of folks. And this takes me to an earlier question about why should Cam Newton had to settle to be a backup and settle for backup pay when you got a lot of Caucasian quarterbacks who just inherit new teams and keep going. Preferably like a Phillip Rivers. People are going to throw out Phillip Rivers, right? Um, what's another quarterback? Uh, I guess you can look at a Nick Foles. He, had, he got traded for, right? He messed up his collarbone for Jacksonville, traded to the Bears. Pretty much everybody sees him as being a starter because Chicago didn't pick up the option for Mitch Trubisky. Also, Andy Dalton got picked up real quick. Because it was that day when Andy Dalton got released, one of my homeboys in this page said, who's going to get signed faster, Andy Dalton or Cam? Who's going to get signed first? And I was like, Andy, easy. And they was like, why? Because he's healthy. And the circus ain't going to come with him. So now I got my analytical hat on. Now I, I put down my defense lawyer briefcase, and now I put on my analytical hat. 
if Andy Dalton's on the waiver wire and Cam Newton is on the waiver wire, I know Andy Dalton could pass a physical right now. I understand that Andy Dalton is not going to have a lot of fanfare. And I also know that Andy Dalton's going to be cheaper. But in retrospect, Cam may end up signing for less than Andy Dalton did. You know what I'm saying? Think about that. But Jameis Winston, and me and Henry talked about this as well, and he actually, Pete, and I give credit to him because he, he, he gave me, you know, he, he helped me shed light on Jameis's way of thinking. So salute to him. Um, if you think about Jameis's move, it was smart long-term as far as the longevity of your checks. That narrative that people can reflect on and be like, yeah, I remember when James did take a back seat and he sat behind Drew Brees and got to kind of see what one of the best whoever did it, did it. Then Sean Payton is so respected with his offensive mentality. And also, even though they say Taysom Hill going to be the future, he really ain't going to be the future as a quarterback. So, you know, as much as I hate that James has to take this back seat, this may actually help his overall legacy. So, yes, I hate that. He had to take this back seat. But we've seen a quarter, quarterbacks do this. Like, I've seen a Kurt Warner win a Super Bowl and then get injured, had to play backup, go to the, the Giants to, to be the holdover until Eli was ready, get fired. And um, Glenn, I, I don't know about admitting if you was right, but if I'm debating, I'm always debate one side. So anybody that knows me, knows that if I'm in a debate against you, I'm going to debate my side, and I'm not. I'm just trying to beat your debate. So, yeah, your debate stance was, was right. Yeah, your debate stance was right. You know what I'm saying? I was just debating against you. Uh, but, you know what I'm saying? Um, I'm getting sidetracked. Oh, so Kurt Warner did it, then ended up going to uh, Arizona, got healthy, boom, became that guy we saw with the Rams all over again. So, you know, James just got LASIK surgery, they say he's seeing a lot better um, so he can see the, and then he can have Sean Payton and Drew Brees helping him see the game a lot better. And hopefully it works out for him, man. Um, it worked out for Taylor Bridgewater, took two years, and Drew Brees had to get injured. He played five games, played well, and um, he's with Carolina right now. So, you know, it's all about can you be patient? But we're always going to jump out there and say somebody shouldn't be a backup. You know what I'm saying? When you see his other inferior quarterbacks, yes, it's disheartening to see a guy have to take a back seat when there's other inferior competition. And that's not just that quarterback. We see that at various positions around the league. You know what I'm saying? It's all about, you know, somebody who got drafted, the investment that's in place. It is what it is. Um, but with Cam... My thing with Cam is this, and this is why I kind of personalize it. If I know I'm coming off an injury, yes, I got big checks from Carolina. I was a former MVP. At the end of the day, I'm a dog, too. Like, I'm looking at who got the weakest quarterback that want me, and I'll sign your deal, and I'm going to take it. Now I understand you could get stuck to where they won't let you play and now you got that narrative, oh, Cam can't even beat out so-and-so. But here's what I want people to know. Because somebody said this to me. Don't say, see, this is the same thing Cap did. Because Cap never said he didn't want to be a backup. Cap ass just would never stand up. That's why Cap ass ain't in the NFL. People, Cap didn't pull a Cam. As much as Stephen A., non-football reporting ass, tried to say that Cap didn't want to be a backup, don't. When it comes to football and Stephen A. Smith, shh, don't even listen to him. If it comes to basketball and reporting on, re, uh, you know, my sources, he got that. He got sources in football. I mean, basketball. Football, hell no. Hell no. Don't listen to Stephen A. So when somebody used Stephen A. as a reference when they was talking about Kaepernick, I didn't like cry my eyes out laughing. Like somebody using Stephen A. as a football reference. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I had another question thrown at me because it was pertaining to, like, Caucasian quarterbacks. Like, how come they never have to do this? And, they, you know, they talked about, like, Joe Flacco. Um, and they talked about Philip. Like, Philip Rivers went with a coach who coached him 
in San Diego. I'll never knock that because I'll reap the benefits of a coach coaching me in a different place, getting the head coaching spot, and then that's like your, your pipeline to getting the job. You know what I'm saying? So, so speaking of Joe Flacco, some of Joe Flacco left Baltimore then went to Denver. People don't realize Joe Flacco has got benched. Remember, remember Lamar was playing. Lamar was playing. Like, Joe, Joe got benched. Like, get your ass up out of here. So, Cam didn't have to go through that. I know James went through it with um with your boy with the beard, Fitzgerald. Remember the Fitz magic everybody was getting excited on? And then that's, that, that bubble got burst. But, so we've seen even Caucasian quarterbacks get their ass benched and get thrown away. So, I, I do, I do want to say that. You know what I'm saying? And then they had to rebuild themselves, you know, like a Case Keenan. They become a starter and not a starter. So Caucasian quarterbacks go through it too. I, I, I just know we're gonna we're gonna hold, you know, hold that close to the vest because African American quarterback. But back to back to uh Cam and his hair. Cause cause one of my homeboys is talking about Cam need to cut his hair. Look, let me tell y'all something. And I remember when, when Mike Vick did this about, about Colin Kaepernick, and I knew in context of why Mike said it, but it just didn't, he didn't clarify it on TV. It was one of his first times being an analyst on TV. And he was saying it from the perspective of, you know, coming out of his situation when he came out of jail, he had the cornrows, it wasn't like, you know, you had to, you know, redo your image. And I understand that fact, right? So he was thinking like Kaepernick was in trouble. So the Afro speaks to black pride and you protesting. So if you want them to get that image out of you protesting, maybe cutting your hair may change that. And that's why he said it. But with Cam, why the hell would Cam cut his hair? Like, what the hell does that, like, because cause people come, you know, it's all about appearance being clean cut. Last I checked, it's a lot of these dumbass quarterbacks that be sporting these beards that look nasty, like you got little birds and bees living in it, and these new damn uh, China wasps that, that damn near kill you when they sting you. You can't tell me Fitzpatrick beard that he be sporting as a starting quarterback is what an organization want, but they be paying his ass. They ain't never, I ain't never heard no organization tell a quarterback to cut their damn beard. But you going to tell Cam Newton to cut his hair? Where they do that at? That's why I don't, I, I just, when my homeboy said that, I didn't understand that at all. I'm like, yo, man, that's Stockholm Syndrome. Like, for what? Like, Cam ain't in trouble with no, like, for what? Why are we telling Cam to cut his hair? Especially when he was employed with the same hairstyle. Cam had the same hairstyle employed. Unless your team has a policy, a player don't have to cut his hair like nothing. He could wear his hair any way he want to. That's a fact. Now, see, that's a fact. If a policy isn't in place for hairstyles and hairdos, you can do you. And if you feel like you got a difference of opinion then that's what it is. That's an opinion because the fact remains is that he doesn't have to cut his damn hair to get a job in the NFL. He just said he didn't want to be a backup. He said that. So obviously job opportunities are coming to him. If somebody say, I don't want to be a backup, I ain't being a backup. I'm pretty sure it's, it's job offers out there. You know what I'm saying? But until these quarterbacks start cutting these raggedy-ass bids, ease up on the can me to cut his hair talk. We ain't talking about no New York Yankees. They got policies in place. That's different. If a policy is in place and you want to work for that employer, then you got to make that decision. But if you are at your workplace, and your employer try to say, hey, you got to cut your hair, I'm going to fire you, and it's not in the policy handbook, then you're going to get you a lawsuit if you get fired. 
It's plenty of people that go to their jobs looking raggedy every day, bro. Even when they think they looking looking cute. That's like somebody saying, hey, man, you ugly. You can't work here. Why? Because you think Cam Newton hairstyle is ugly? You, he got to cut it? U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi. You ugly. What, what, you ugly. Bulls don't take, won't take players that wear headbands. Really? Well, you got to make a decision. How much that headband mean to you? Hold on. Oh, no, nah, I don't remember no Bulls player wearing no head. Headband since Carlos Boozer had his day going Beijing in his head. So, yeah, man, Cam Newton. Um, At this point in time, you really don't have no leverage and your timing is bad. It's timing and leverage. Guns and butter. Um, And, and another thing. Show videos throwing the football, man. Everybody know you strong. Like, I see that the show is functional. Throw the ball. You acting like Malik from the game. Remember when Malik from the game, them dudes jumped him and gave him nerve damage in his throwing arm? Hold on, let me see what Chevy said, my dog. I can't do the C more. But... Appreciate you, Seven Man, for, for sharing the podcast, yo. Rip Hamilton, the only one because of the mask. Oh, okay, Chuck. Yeah, man. Shoot. I never knew that about the Bulls. I never knew that about the Bulls. And, and, and a lot of, and look, don't get me wrong, man. There's some teams out here with some funny ways, and, and they will strongly suggest that you do certain things. Um, and I'm not saying that everybody should buck the system. Let's, let me get that. Let me clear that out too. What I'm saying for if you stand like stand on your principles, and you gotta make a decision how important your principles are to you. You know what I'm saying? Like if it's some things are worth the fight, some things you just being stubborn. You know what I'm saying? Like it just is what it is. So that's what I gotta say about uh, about Cam Dude, man. Um. I dropped the podcast on the fifth and sixth episode. Yeah, the 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 Yankees didn't allow facial hair. I think they may have changed it. Oh, finally look like I'm from Hampton. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what that I don't know how to take that. I mean, I'm from Nuba News, actually. Um I moved to Hampton, but I'm I really from Nuba News. I went to high school and middle school in, in Hampton. Um, but how did y'all like episode five and six, man? Um, like I said, I, I did the recap. I, I want to do the recap off air without recording it on Facebook because I wanted to keep it under 30 minutes. Um, I didn't want to, um, what did it say? Chris Harris said Cam couldn't throw when they lost the Super Bowl. They manned up and wanted him to throw. Well, that would help that they ain't really had no receivers who could separate as well. Receivers that can separate as well, that played into Vaughn Miller. Um, so Chris Harris was doing what he's supposed to do as an exceptional, exceptional student of the game, understanding that the strength was to force Cam to throw because his offensive weapons are limited. Um, I'm going to tell you again, being the faster guy, but other than that, they didn't have guys that could really scare you. And also understanding that that will allow Vaughn Miller to get repetitive pass rushes on that offensive line and start timing them up. Um, so, yeah. Because if Carolina would have remained balanced and been able to run the football, then they they would have been able to put up points versus Denver. And now this forces Peyton Manning broke arm ass to try to throw. And we all know Peyton Manning was trash can Drews that stage of his career in the Super Bowl. So that was very smart. From um Oh, you could join lives again? Oh dope. So that was very smart of, of Chris Harris. Very smart of Chris Harris. Spoken like a true DB. We're gonna talk you into doing something you don't want to do. And I'm not saying he talked Cam into doing it, but he was talking that talk once the game was over. 
Because trust me, he ain't want to keep checking no goddamn tag in on pass plays over and over and over again. Yeah, you might have been manned up, Chris Harris, but you, ain't want, you don't want to keep running with no goddamn cheater every play. I may talk a lot of trash, but if I know somebody run a damn 4-240 and I know I'm a man, I ain't trying to see that every play. Hell no. After the game, I'm going to talk like I did, but during the game, I'm like, man, that's some bull. You know what? But look, let me talk about Michael Jordan, man, and some things that jumped out to me about this last dance, these two past episodes. First of all, Kobe shut all y'all asses up, okay? All you, all you peoples that want to debate who the greatest, he shut all y'all up. He did. He just shut you up. You know what I'm saying? Don't compare me to Mike. Don't compare nobody to Mike. Mike is... Mike, that's big bro, as far as them two. You know what I'm saying? Like, Kobe Kobe didn't like people always pitting them two against each other because Mike influenced him, and Mike was there for him. And I thought it was, I thought it was actually, man, funny how Mike was talking about Kobe before, um, before the All-Star game. Because you can see that Mike, admired Kobe from afar. He was like, yo, that young Laker kid, he gonna want to go one-on-one. And I know he was like, damn, that's just like how I was when I came into the NBA. You know what I'm saying? Like, you could tell he admired Kobe, and that's why he extended that olive branch where Kobe called him and was asking about the turn the turnaround jumper and why they became so close. Like, that showed me that Mike wasn't so egotistical like I thought, yo. Like, if you really reached out to him, he there to help you. But this, these two episodes showed me another thing about Mike. Mike is a damn certified serial killer. Like, his competitive mindset was unmatched. And that's why I love... Not, these two episodes, y'all see why I love Mike. Because Mike, the way he competed and the way he thought about competition was different. Different. You flipping nickels to the wall, he want to beat you. You playing, you playing, got dang on poker for $1, and he want to beat you. Just so he can say, I took your money. He playing for thousands of dollars in the back of the plane. He come to the front to play with the little poo butts, and he want to take the little poo butt money just so he said he beat you. Clyde Drexler, one of the best I ever did it, got compared to him. And he looked at him and said, who, Clyde? He a great player. But I'm about to show y'all why you should never pit him against me. And when I and destroy Clyde. Destroy. That moment when Luke Motion comes to trips and you tell the backside guy he got it this time. Exactly, Travis. You 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 been you played the defensive back foot with me. If I'm checking that motion over and over and over and over, I can't wait for trips. Because instead of me telling you to go down to the stationer, I'm going to point at you. Your turn. Oh, and, and, and Jordan fans. Let me, let me tell y'all something. Leave LeBron fans alone when it comes to fraternizing with the enemies and being friends with folks. Because Michael Jordan was friends with a lot of people on other teams. He may have a, had an ulterior motive because he had Danny Ainge playing golf with him two rounds before he dropped 41 on them the next day in the finals playoff game. But Michael chilled with the with, with opponents. He did. He fraternized with the enemies. Now, no, he didn't team up and, like, go to him himself because it wasn't like that back then. But we got to stop acting like Mike just didn't like no damn body. Like, Mike had friends on every damn team. Every damn team. But Mike tried to kill him. Magic said it. Mike just don't play you in cards. He just don't beat you in cards. He tries to destroy you. Put his foot on his foot on your throat. And he ain't going to stop until he finally beats you. That was dope. And Mike is that type of dude that feel like he ain't never wrong too. So I don't know if me and him could ever play games and stuff. Because we be, we'll be arguing to the death. Like Mike one of them dudes that gonna try to say you cheating when he trying to cheat the whole time that's what i took from this too 
Um, the shoe deal, I know Adidas kicking themselves. Converse didn't know. You know, Converse had all the big wigs. They had, you know, Larry had just won an uh, MVP. They had Magic. They had Isaiah, Dr. J. Um, they didn't want to get Mike and Signature shoe. And shout out to Michael Jordan's agent, Falk. Falk had a vision. He was a visionary guy. You know what I'm saying? He was out here shopping Michael Jordan as a singular product, not a part of the Bulls. He was shopping him as an icon. And people didn't understand that back then. And now look at it. Now, Michael Jordan was a trendsetter because now as soon as guys become in the, come to the NBA and they like a top three pick, what they looking for? That signature shoe. Well, I wonder who started that. Sir Michael. Now you understand why people say Mike the GOAT. And now, and, and I'm going to go through some more. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah, and Spike Lee. And so this lets you know how powerful, how a visionary Spike is, too. Because Spike is a Nick fan, and he didn't think that Mike would be like this. You know what I'm saying? But he saw, you know, young black man becoming the face of a shoe. Nike Air, they they they, uh, they introduced their Air cushion type of contraption. And then, all right, so Teray don't want to give Michael Jordan credit, credit. So, um, you know, it is what it is. So, anyway, like Mike said, they can have all the vision they wanted, and they could, they could do anything for these deals. At the end of the day, the horse still got to win the race. So as much as you, we want to say, no, the agent did this and this person did that, the horse was still doing what the horse had to do. So at the end of the day, it always comes down to the athlete. So as, as much as people want to take, uh, people around the athlete want to take credit, if the athlete don't perform at a high level, who gives a damn what the mother folks did? So it always boils down to the horse winning the race. Michael said it. Yeah. If I was averaging four points, it wouldn't be no damn Air Jordans. You'll call them butter cookies. You know what I'm saying? Think about that. If Jordan was averaging four points, you call them damn, you call them butter cookies. If James Jones came out with some sweet ass pair of Nikes, you ain't buying them janks. Cause James Jones don't play. You know what I'm saying? You say, oh no, nah, I ain't gonna comment on that, Terrell. I'm gonna leave that alone. Um, but the colorway was dope because back in the day, every shoe had white in it, white in the team color. And then Larry had, ironically, Larry had a black shoe with white in it. Why he had white and green? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't care what Sonny said in this 30 for 30. We all know that if Michael Jordan was trash can juice. It wouldn't be no damn Jordans. I, that's all I'm saying. Yes, all these dudes had ideas. Yes, they... But if Mike won the ball in the Olympics, if Mike won the one player of the years at UNC, so the player is still the person who breaks the ground. So yes, the big wig is having a vision. But who still got to deliver? The person in question still got to deliver. So I don't want nobody ever forgetting that. If you a performer, you still got to perform. Ideas ain't jack with somebody, without somebody putting it in motion. So yeah, I got an idea, but who the talent? So that's what I'm saying. And they said it. If it weren't for Mike and his performance... In the Olympics, before he became a rookie, they couldn't have pitched nothing. You know what I'm saying? It's amazing. They said that. If Mike wouldn't have had the performance he did in the Olympics and, and, and up to his game the way he did, their little pitches would have fell flat. It would have. You know what I'm saying? If, if, your, if, your, if your product ain't pure, you can't pitch new numbers. So the product is key. Much as we love playing in full, if Ace product was trash, he wouldn't have been the great seller that he was. You know what I'm saying? Lulu brought him in, had that pure. All right, Teray, I'm going to just annoy your ass now.
He said both save Nike, not Jordan. I'm gonna just I'm gonna just ignore that. Save Nike was known as a running shoe. That's the dumbest thing. Somebody both save Nike, not Jordan. That is the most. That's ignorant. That's ignorant. Nike wasn't even known as a. They were no. They were known as. <laughs> yo, they were known as a running shoe, but Bo Jackson saved Nike. <laughs> oh my god, yo! And I don't care what somebody said. Ain't nowhere in the world some damn Bo Jackson saved Nike when you got Jordans still on shelves. Come on, man. As much as we love Bo, if you pull out some retro bows or some retro Jordans, how many killings going to happen? I ain't going to say that. How, what the lines going to look like? Here go Daniel. The biggest story about Cam is he played hurt for the Panthers and they released him. Bo was a dual sport at the time. No one was doing that then. Um, I'm gonna leave that alone because I don't want to. It's gonna sidetrack me from what I want to talk about. I do that later. Now, I didn't comb my hair at all, man. I conditioned it. And it curled and, and went down. Um, it, it, was, it, it was a couple other dual sport guys before Bo, but, you know, I'm going to let you have that. Go back and... And don't even, don't even give him no names. I just want him to go back and check the history of sports. And it was dual sport guys before Bo in the professional ranks. It was. But, hey, you, you got it, T-Ray. You got it. Um... Who was I talking about? Oh, so Cam. So here's the thing about Carolina. I don't think what Carolina did to Cam was wrong. He got hurt. The shoulder wasn't healthy. Do a lot of money. Um. So that's not, that's not my argument, Stick. But you're throwing stuff out there, Frost. Like, you got to realize you're throwing stuff out there. So what? why are you even saying something if that's not your argument stick? Like, is your per, like is your is your main goal right now to just stop me train, in mid-train of thought and respond to you or something? Because I'm kind of confused at what you're what you sharing right now. And I know that live and, and how I answer can be different because it shows up a little delayed, but... I don't think Carolina did Cam wrong. It's a business. That's why, I, look, man, that's why I always tell athletes, do what's best for you. Don't listen to these damn fans. They be like, play hurt, play for your team, be loyal to a team. For what? Fans ain't loyal. Organization's not loyal. So why should a player be loyal in sports? It's dumb. It really is. It's a business. Why? Bo was at the top. Oh, Teray, you got nah, Teray. I'm about to I'm about to tell you to come in on that. Bo was not at the top of no damn baseball. Bo Bo was an all-star, but he wasn't at the top of no base. Bo Bo was intriguing. But he wasn't at the top. Like, he wasn't the best player in football and the best player in basketball. Like, I mean, in, in, in baseball. But if, if if people could join, feel free to join. Feel free. Gil, what's good? Feel free to send a request to join. Because let's go. Please. Please join. You know what I'm saying? Matter of fact, let me see. Teray, you come join, man. Let's see what my man Teray got to say. He got to explain this. Let me put my charge on. You got to explain this, champ. He didn't. Okay, he couldn't join. Let me see. Let me see if Zane St. Patrick's want to join. Some people may may be at work and they can't join. But 
My man, my man James, yeah, yeah, James. Let me see if your little Android will let you join. You know what I'm saying? See if you upgrade your phone. There we go. He upgraded his phone. What's up, man? What's up with you? Hey, man, look, just to let you know that my phone was not not operational or nothing like that. Look, you see they added a button back. All them times you said I was ducking your phone calls, that ain't the point. But on mine, they went, but let me. Look, man, I got an Apple iPhone, man. I don't know what Apple be doing, bro. So look. I got one too. Huh? What you got, a five? Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, it's paid for, bro. The brother man on hey, budget, man. I knew it was something. Okay, so I want to address something real quick. All right, you said don't troll. I wasn't trolling you about Cam Dune and the accuracy, but you, you hit it right on the head, bro. I've been saying in my lives all the time that especially our, our, our dual-threat quarterbacks, especially our African-American quarterbacks, if they want to continue to play in the NFL, they have mm -hmm. to improve their accuracy. I call it the Russell Wilson school. If you have to improve your accuracy or protect yourself. Cam Newton, 6'5", yeah. 240, running over linebackers. I, I get that. Like, you hit, you hit it right on the head. Now he's injured. This arm has to pay dividends, which is not developed. So yeah. I want to give you props for saying that. Because so many people have been – they call me the C-word. Yeah, I ain't gonna, they, they call me to see where yeah. I'm like, bro, I'm hitting it right on the head. And I feel the same way. I'm about to upset a lot of people about Lamar Jackson. Mm -hmm. He has to improve his accuracy because he's still early in his contract. We have three years left in his contract. Mm -hmm. And the Ravens, if they want to, yeah. Ravens can choose to franchise that brother at the end, which won't be a good thing. He needs, he needs to get paid what he's worth. I'll go ahead and take your comment, bro. So, when, I, all right, so we all understand the accuracy, accuracy piece. But have you seen him make really bad, inaccurate throws? Or is that just a result of guys not catching the ball or DPs making plays on the ball? This is different. It, it's the system, bro. His coaches his coaches knew he couldn't throw the ball like that. That's why you had Olsen, I think it was his tight end, was his leading receiver. It's a You know, you play offense as a blanket. But he, he ran Steve Smith off. And you as a wide receiver, this is the question I asked you. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. When Steve Smith was there, Cam Newton came in as a rookie. All right, they had a good season, but you got to think, if you're a wide receiver and you're running all these excellent routes, breaking on the ball, this and that, and this rookie's throwing ducks left and right, you're going to come back and talk to this rookie, not to disrespect him and say, hey, bro, you need to get it together. Am I right or wrong? Yeah. Okay, so they had spats. You, you, do you research? They had spats, so instead of you know uh, them improving it, they basically got rid of Steve Smith. They got rid of the problem. And then Carolina hasn't had a true route runner since. They've drafted David Funches. Come on, bro. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, you know, a tight end slash receiver. Then they brought Benjamin in. These are all wide, these are all big targets. Big targets yes. make up for the accuracy issues. So that's mm -hmm. all I'm saying. There was a lot of all accuracy right. issues, bro. No, I always say can through a fastball. But I think Lamar is a better passer than can at this stage of career. I got it, bro. I got to see the 15-yard out, bro. And that's the thing. They, yes. You I know, told you that on film. I sent you. I, sent I, you I know you sent me the. When he was a rookie. You sent me the ball, Hog film. You sent me the ball. But but what I'm saying is this. Why do you think uh, Lamar Jackson took these L's against San Diego and Tennessee? It's not like he didn't have time. No, no, no. no. I give you San Diego. That was a bad throw against him. Mm -hmm. Tennessee, Tennessee, you better go. You better go. Nah, he was under. He was under duress. He was under duress. But that, that's what. It, yes, he, in Tennessee, he was under fire. Was he, he was under. No, now was he inaccurate? Was he, to the tight end, no. Versus, but, okay. but when Tennessee, when Tennessee made, when Tennessee made him throw, the seam and the outs and all you these. You know who his college coach was, though, right? What Petrino? Yeah. Hey, bro. So why do you think he has the tools? Huh? He got the tools. No, he, he has the tools. Okay, I'm gonna retract. I'm gonna retract my statement. He had, the brother has the tools, but I want to see the tools be the tools be applied. I don't see them being applied. It takes time. How, how long did it take for Steve Young to show that he was active? A minute. All right, give him the time. All right, so what you saying? What? Give, what, what kind of time frame are we looking at, huh? To fit you, like you're accurate. No, 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 no. no. Like, to me, I see it, but I know with Baltimore, they're trying to 
get the most out of what he does best right now. So that's why you see you know, high school like, formations on the Pond Rock lose his money for right now. But you see, they, they, they went and got another receiver. They went and got more receivers in the draft. Okay, hold on, hold on, Hawk. Let me ask you this. Like I said, you played wide receiver. They got Hollywood Brown. Yeah. Hollywood Brown had an all right season, but I did not see it. The minute those guys too, but that would be a guy with a bigger Okay, but back to Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown is, is, is one of those polished guys. That he's a rock runner. Okay? Fast yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a Hawk Park 2.0. Okay? Yeah. He's so, <laughs> if he's running routes, all these excellent routes that he's open and Lamar can't get it to him. That's the issue, whoa, whoa, man. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We, we can't do that now. We can't create the narrative like Lamar can't get the ball today. Bro. So you saying he's been messing wide open receivers? Yes. Oh, you saying that? Yes. I see. I broke down. I broke down the tape like you told me before I come up here talking crap. All right, so break right, down I got the tape. Question for you. I got a question for you. Yeah. Did we ever say that about Peyton Man when he was a rookie himself? You know what? With Peyton Manning was no, a rookie. No, 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 no. <laughs> you can't say, you know what? When, when Peyton Manning was a rookie, did we say anything about accuracy or did we say, hey, it's going to come? We said it's going to come, but he was throwing interceptions left and right. In fact, we had a f seven interception game, something like that. I get where you're going. I get where That's you're going. I get where you're going. I got to get off of this thing, bro. I'm going to holler at you. All right, bro. All right. All right, man. That was my man Fitzpatrick, the true ghost. So people that want to know who ghost is, who I be calling ghost, that's ghost. And um, yeah, man, I'm glad Facebook brought this this back because Instagram a little different and the move a little different. So uh, yeah, man. Um, uh, let me see what's your, oh, shoot, I can't do see more on there. Uh, what was I missing? What I was missing? See what I've been missing, man. My man Teresa, that's what Andy helped Vic understand when he came back. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and, and I saw somebody ask a question. Um, should college, should high school, so should you coaches do a better job? Yeah. So here's my thing. And I'm not knocking coaches, but coaches are going to do this, right? Every coach's objective is to win. Produce winners and to win. Every coach is in the business of winning. And you get judged off of wins and losses. Nobody cares that you're developing kids, even though you're developing them, right? So if you're a youth coach and you're developing kids, they're not going to see it if you're losing. They're just not. And people aren't going to want their child to play for you because you're not winning. So a lot of times when kids are young and they're playing a quarterback position, if they can run, they're going to use that to their advantage, right? Because anytime you run a quarterback, you got an advantage because it's 10 blockers versus nine or eight when you're handing it to somebody and you're running a, you know, a certain side of the field. So you got an additional blocker when you run the quarterback. You know, if you line everybody up at the line of scrimmage and hike the ball to the quarterback, that's 10 dudes. That's like a wall. You know what I'm saying? Um, so a lot of times everybody's so factionated with winning, 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 winning. And you, you, you don't even know if your child is fully developing. Even if your child is producing, right? So my son will, will be 10 years old soon. My son has been blessed, being fast, a lot, a lot faster than his competition. But I always try to make sure that he understands the footwork it comes to receiving the handoff, making sure in his pocket is right, understanding how to set up different cuts, how to run certain routes, how to catch the ball with his hands, how to, you know, high point the football, how to web his hands and keep his fingertips soft so it isn't, it isn't catching with the palm of his hand, developing him, no matter how physically gifted that he is. And the quarterback position is always the toughest because if you have an athlete playing quarterback at the youth level, it's very, very easy to dominate. It's so much easier just to say, hey, quarterback keeper, quarterback draw, do this and that, versus, hey, develop, stay in the pocket, put the pass here, put the pass there, because the results come quicker when you allow the athlete to just be an athlete. So that's why the development is behind with the athlete playing quarterback versus that slow kid who can throw, because you're going to invest in the things around him 
to protect him. Once you see that that athlete playing quarterback can truly protect himself, then it does him a disservice with his development unless you work with him by himself, unless his he has a parent who works with him on his fundamentals. But then they get to high school, and the same thing you see in high school. If you have a quarterback that can run, that's all you see. You see the offense is built around this running quarterback. And then you got all these people like, why isn't he being recruited? How come he can't be a quarterback in college? Because you never utilize his other talents. You never put him, demonstrated them, displayed them. So then they get to college. And now in college, what do you see? A lot of dual, dual threat running quarterbacks. And they go through their college career being all Americans and players of the years. And all they do is run for a thousand yards and they sprinkle in 2,500, 3,000 yards passing. And they may have 25 touchdowns and yeah, six or seven interceptions. And that interception to touchdown ratio look good. But then when the pro scouts come and they say, get on the center, let me see a five step drop. Let me see a three step drop. Let me see a seven step drop. Let me see a rollout. Let me see a bootleg. They can't do it. I mean, they can do it, but it's not their strong suit. The muscle memory isn't there. So then what happens? Hey, you want to play receiver instead? Hey, what do you think about playing DB? Hey, what do you think about playing running back? And they, look, they take it as a slap in the face, but all these coaches down the pipeline kind of did them a disservice, or did them a disservice without even knowing it because the adult is worried about their bottom line because they got ambitions. You know, if you're a high school coach, you want to win state championships. You want to put that on your resume because you have ambitions of maybe, you know, going to coaching the team in Texas where they pay six figures or go to this private school or become a college assistant. And if you're a college coach, you got this contract. It's millions of dollars. You want to make sure you dominate your conference. You want to always make sure you're in the hunt. So you start to look for these athletes that can play quarterback. But nobody takes a step back and look at programs who actually develop talent. Now, they may not always have the best teams, but when you look at their players, they have a lot of tools. And that's why I say the one good thing about, you know, a prime example of a little bit of both is recently our, our basketball team here at UVA, they won the national championship. But when you look at a player that came from UVA and played professional basketball, they got tools. They could do everything. They're not going to out-athlete you. They got tools. They, they just don't have to be faster than you and jump higher than you. Like, they got the fundamentals. Because the first thing that starts to deteriorate is your body. Your mind stays sharp. So if you got the fundamentals, that's why Jerry Rice is so revered. It's because he didn't fall off a cliff. He just, just didn't go and retire. He didn't. Because he knew he wasn't, he couldn't just outrun everybody as far as, you know, instant speed. Now, he had endurance. But that's why you look at a Jerry Rice and you respect him because his fundamentals were so sharp. You know what I'm saying? That's why people rave over Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is the dude who has the athleticism but also has the fundamentals. That's why I love Russell Wilson because everybody thought he was just a running quarterback. Then he went to Wisconsin, played in a pro-style quarterback and demonstrated that his arm and his mind was special. People wanted that from RG3. RG3 went the Donovan McNabb route and, and tried to force himself to fit that narrative, like, you got to gradually fit. Like, if you don't have it, gradually get there, though. And I felt like Cam was so successful in his way. Like, it's hard to change your ways when you're successful, like, when you reach the pinnacle. Like, being named MVP, if somebody's being named MVP, the best at their profession, it's hard for them to evolve. Because they're like, why, why am I going to change now? But that's why you respect the greats who do it anyway. You know, you respect LeBron James who understood I need a post-up game. I need to continue to work on my mid-range game. Even though his first couple of years, I thought his mid-range game was good. And the Kobe's. And, I mean, we talked, you know, Kevin Durant and then and Russell Wood, like, and James Hall. Like, the list goes on and on of guys who in basketball do it, but in football, it's more difficult for guys to kind of truly work on their fundamentals unless they have to. Like, they see they slow now, so now they want to learn how to truly grasp how to run routes. Like, people always ask, like, why Dez Bryant not in the NFL right now? 
is just his attitude, and I, and that plays a role. But was Des Bryant the most the the most polished receiver that he could have been? Because when he was young, he was such such a damn bull. He just run through you and run over you, and now athlete you. But then once he started having these injuries and stuff, it's like, all right, man, what your fundamentals look like? So in youth sports, I would love to see, you know, coaches really invest in time when it comes to the quarterback position to the fundamentals of playing that position. Not just allowing the athlete to dominate with his athleticism, but show them the true nuances of the game. And then when they get to high school, the high school coach doing the same thing, showing them how to truly read the coverage how to throw in different windows, putting touch on the football. Everything's not all about throwing deep. Understanding pocket mobility. How to avoid the rush, but keep your eyes and your and your shoulders downfield. You know, sudden slides, how to climb the ladder, come out the back end and then reset your feet. A lot of times they don't teach that. So when they get to the NFL, they get drafted real high. And folks are like, man, Damn, he can't throw. They can throw, but it's not to the to the level that we see the elites. That's one thing we got to stop doing with rookie quarterbacks. Stop comparing them to the elites. Don't compare a rookie quarterback to a guy like a Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes. Like, give them some time to grow. I do want to leave y'all with this cliffhanger because I'm about to shut this down. You know how we talk about quarterbacks in garbage time? How come we don't do that with running backs? Like when a running back's on a bad team, how come we don't say they got their yards in garbage time? How come we only do that with quarterbacks? So that's what I'm going to leave with y'all. That's going to be my next topic on my next live. Running backs and garbage time. Yee, yee! You know what I'm saying? Big Will. I see you, my guy. Because I got, I got a bone to pick with folks who've been out here saying certain quarterbacks only get yards and garbage time. We're going to talk, talk. So y'all be easy, man. Salute. We out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.